want you to think with me for just a minute and just wrap your mind around some of these questions that maybe get a little perspective. If someone were to ask you, what is your greatest accomplishment? What's, what's the thing that you would look back and go, man, this is, this is something that I've done. You know, think about how would you respond to that question? What about this? If someone were to ask you, what's the thing that you worry about the most? Something that causes you stress or something that maybe kind of gets at you a little bit throughout the day. And, of course, those things can be temporal. Maybe it's something right now and it was something else earlier. What about this? If someone were to say, what is your greatest source of comfort and security? What would you say to that? Well, we're, we're launching a new series today, and we're going to be in the book of Hebrews. And the book of Hebrews is a great, great book in the New Testament. They're all good, but this one in particular really stands out to me because the author is trying to get really one big point across, and he does it over and over and over in many ways. And this is the point is that Jesus is greater than. Jesus is greater than. What's your biggest accomplishment? Jesus is greater than that. What's your biggest source of worry and fear? Jesus is greater than that. What's the thing that brings you comfort and security? Jesus is greater than that. Now you see, some of you may think that some of that sounds weird because a lot of times in church, People will stand up and talk about, well, what are the things that have you down or what are the things that you struggle with and what are the things uh, that you need help with and Jesus is greater than that. And sometimes that's where we kind of live. And I think that a lot of people believe that, but it also kind of leads into this point where there's some people who, who say, well, you know, I, I, I came and I've got these problems and I still have these problems and, you know, I thought Jesus was greater than that, so, so what do I do with that? How do I resolve that? But the reason I bring up the stuff like what's your greatest accomplishment or what's your greatest source of comfort is because I believe one of the things that we struggle with in our culture more than anything is actually trusting that Jesus is greater than the things that bring us comfort and peace and security. I think the, the danger that we have sometimes if we're not careful is we are pursuing things that are comfortable are things that are secure for us in our own mind more than we're pursuing the things of God. And so therefore we stop short of seeing the incredible life that God can have for us. And honestly, that's a little bit about what's going on when the writer writes this book in Hebrews. He's saying, look, you've got all these systems and all these things that have happened in the past. And since Jesus showed up, he's greater than all that. He's greater than anything in your past. He's greater than anything in your future. Jesus is greater than. You fill in the blank. Jesus is greater than that. And if we begin to let that sink into our hearts, we'll discover some incredible things. And so we're going to go through the book of Hebrews, and we want to have that lens on that the author's trying to get across to us that Jesus is greater than. Now, if, if you've been with me for a while or you've participated in some of our sermons for a while, you know that a lot of times I'll start at the first of Hebrews and we'll go all the way through the end. We're going to go verse by verse. I'm trying something a little different this time. Um, I've been doing these daily devotions on our website as well. And so what we're going to do is actually I'm going to 
preach in one place and then I'm going to connect the dots during the week in the daily devotional and then we'll preach somewhere else. And over the next six weeks, we're going to go through the book of Hebrews and that's a lot to do in six weeks. So we're going to do some of it during the day as well for those who would like to uh, be a part of that. But I promise you, you're going to get a lot out of it even if you're just here for the messages. You see, because in this book, along with the fact that the author's trying to just really let it sink into us, that Jesus is greater than any system, any person, anything, any situation, any treasure on this earth, he also gives the, the, the people a few warnings, a few cautions along the way. I'm not going to get into all of them today. I'm just going to kind of throw them out there for you to let you know what we're going to get into. In chapter 2, he gives a warning about drifting, about just kind of drifting away. And we are going to talk about that one today. In chapter 3, he talks about departing and leaving the faith and, and just leaving the things of God behind in our life. In, in chapter 4, he talks about the warning against disobedience and what the consequences of that are. Chapter 5, he talks about just dullness, just kind of mundane faith. Chapter 10, he talks about despising. In chapter 12, he talks about defying, just being defiant. And so there's a lot of things in here, but they're all on this foundation that Jesus is greater than anything that you're going to face in life. So there's no reason to pursue anything else than pursuing Jesus. So let's look. Hebrews chapter 1, starting in the very first verse, we can see how this stands out. He says, long ago, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets at different times and in different ways. In these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So he became superior to the angels, just as the name he inherited is more excellent than theirs. And that's just four verses. How about that? There is a ton of things that the author is trying to get across to us under this context that God is greater than anything. And the thing that we want to just zoom in on right at the first is that God has been actively speaking since creation. God has been at work trying to communicate. He starts off by saying, long ago, God spoke to our ancestors by the prophets. And I love this phrase, at different times in different ways. That's how he says it. He goes, God's just been speaking long ago. And he says, now he's speaking through his son. And so God's been active at work of trying to communicate with us. The question for us is, am I actively listening? You, you get that, right? There's a difference between kind of listening and actively listening. You ever done that? You know, I, I kind of listen often. It drives people nuts, you know. Remember when we talked about that? No, I wasn't there. I sat there and talked to you. Well, I was probably, you know, paying attention to something else at the time. And so here's the truth. God has been speaking since the dawn of creation. There's two ways I want to point out just in general, because when, when people ask me how God speaks, my first answer is always this. God speaks however he chooses, whenever he chooses, to whoever he chooses, because he's God and he can do that. And that's my first answer. So 
who he wants, whenever he wants, however. And in Scripture, if you look at it, man, he's used flames, he's used winds, he's used whispers, he's used donkeys, he's used dreams, he's used prophets. He's used all kinds of things to communicate to people. But in general, let's narrow this down to a couple of things so that we can wrap our mind around this. One way God speaks is through what I'm going to call and what is called general revelation. Revelation meaning what? He reveals things, right? A general revelation. General meaning it's kind of in general. It's out there for anyone and everyone. For example, the psalmist writes this in Psalm 19. Look at these words. The heavens declare the glory of God and the expanse proclaims the work of his hands. Day after day they pour out speech. Night after night they communicate knowledge. So the psalmist says, just wake up and open your eyes and look. Creation is telling you about God. You know, I I live out in Hudson Oaks. And so when I drive into Weatherford, it's kind of down this this big hill. And I do that in the morning sometimes and the, the sun is coming up behind me and it just just shines all over this when you're coming down the hill. And I, I just tell you, I have these moments every once in a while where I go, you cannot convince me there's not a creator. You just look at the expanse and the way things are put together and the uniqueness of it. And he knows every leaf on every tree and every hair on every head and every blade of grass that's in place. And man, that's just like a little five mile stretch between here and the church. And I just think about the expanse of his creation And you just look around and you have to understand that God is speaking to us by saying, I'm here, look at all this. And so he communicates to us in that way if we're listening for it, if we're looking for it. But then there's even more ways that God speaks. The second one we call special revelation and a specific revealing, if you will. So special revelation is what we get here in Hebrews chapter 1, where the writer tells it, he's spoken by the prophets specifically, and now he's spoken in these last days by his son specifically. So what the writer is saying right up front is God sent his son because he's trying to communicate something to us. God has been speaking since the dawn of creation. He continues to speak throughout creation, and now he's speaking specifically through his son because he has something to say if we're willing to listen to it. You see, Jesus is God's ultimate communication with me. And that's what we need to understand. Jesus is greater than all things. Jesus is God's ultimate communication with me. And so right off the bat, we need to understand that we need to have things settled with Jesus. We need to understand where we stand with Jesus. You need to have a response to the question that asks, who is Jesus? You need to figure that out. Because what the word teaches us and what I believe is that Jesus Christ is God's son who came and took on the form of a man so that God could communicate his love to us and so that Jesus Christ could bring him glory and so that we could know the way to life by following him. That's what I believe. And if you get things wrong about Jesus, you're going to have things wrong about God. Let me tell you why. He says in here, Jesus is the heir of all things. You caught that in here, right? He's the heir of all things. And the heir is the authority. The heir has the authority to conduct business on behalf 
of the estate. Now, maybe some of you are like me. You've had your parents pass. And when my parents passed, I was the heir, okay? Yes, I have brothers and sisters. But for some reason, they put my name on all the stuff to take care of the thing. So I had to work with brothers and sisters and do this. But here's basically what the bottom line was. When a question came up about the estate, it came to me. And I got to speak on behalf of the estate of Jim and Charlotte Holloway and what was going on with them and how things were going to happen and what was going on. I had the authority given to me to do business on behalf of my parents. And it went nowhere else. The same thing is true when the writer describes Jesus as the heir of all things. God sent Jesus as a man to do business with mankind. God gave up his rights and his privacy to take on the form of a man so that you can know him. That's why he did that. He sent his son, and as we do business with the son, we do business with the father. So as a follower of Christ, there's nothing greater I can do than get to know Christ. Because the more that I get to know Jesus, the more I get to know God, and I am doing business with God. He also goes on to tell us something else about Jesus. And, and a lot of people don't think how significant this is. But he says this, Jesus is the maker of the universe. He calls Jesus the maker of the universe. Here the writer of Hebrews ties together, listen to this, he ties together the significance of creation with the significance of redemption. God created all things through Jesus and they were good. Sin entered into creation and marred what God had created, producing the need for creation to be redeemed or for creation to be made right again. And think about this, who can make it right? The one who made it. They know how to fix it. And so if we don't have a right understanding of creation, we will not have a right understanding of redemption. Now why do I say that that's important? Because let me talk to you a little bit about the world we live in today. I understand that when I'm talking at First Baptist Church in Weatherford, whether you're watching us online, whether you're hearing us here, that many people, many people who are listening are similar to like me. You, you kind of grew up in church or around church or you were familiar with church. And so we were taught the Bible from little bitty. We just handed these first graders their Bible. And praise God that they're going to live in families that are going to do what they can to teach the word of God to them at a young age. And so they're going to grow up knowing these stories. They're going to grow up getting to know Jesus along the way and beginning to understand Scripture. But we also now live in a place, and perhaps you're here with us and we're glad you are, where people are going, I'm not familiar with this. I didn't grow up. I don't know how this works. I don't know anything about God that you're talking about or about the creation story or any of these things. And so the reason this is so important, because let me just say it this way. Oftentimes when we go to tell people about who Jesus Christ is, if we're not careful, we, we kind of say it like this. We go, you know, you, you really need to give your life to Christ because he'll forgive you of your sins. And we kind of start right there. And we go, okay, well, God will forgive me of my sins. Okay. And then when God forgives me of my sins and, and you pray and you have him in your heart, then one day when this life is over, you'll, you'll die and you'll go to heaven. Right? Now, I didn't say anything there that wasn't true. 
But if I have no idea of the creation story, that God actually created us with a purpose and a reason, and God set this world in order to do something, and I was part of that as mankind, then how, why would I understand that I'm a sinner apart from something because I'm apart from what? You know, if, if I don't understand that I was actually created by God, and if I bring him glory, then I find life to its fullest, then I don't understand my need for a savior and the reason for sin. If I don't understand that, then I just go, well, you know, I'm better than so-and-so. And as long as I get on the good side of this bell curve, I should slide right into heaven, right? But no, the creation story tells us that God created us for a reason, with a purpose. And that if we follow God's way, then we find life in doing that. And that sin took us away from that. And that's why we need forgiveness of sin. But then there's another side of that. Sometimes we end up talking so much about heaven that we're no earthly good. You ever heard that phrase? Okay. As a believer, we kind of sometimes present our faith in such a way that we don't really say it this way, but it kind of comes across as, well, you know, if you give your life to Christ, then you just kind of trudge through the rest of this life. One day you'll die and go to heaven. It's kind of like, well, what about the, you know, hopefully 50, 60, 70, 80 years between that? What do I do then? And the truth is, we find life by following Christ. We, we follow Christ and we take him at his word today. And we begin to experience life the way that God created us to be. And it is, hear me now, greater than anything you could do on your own. That's what the writer of Hebrews is talking about. There are a lot of things out in this world that competes with that. And that's why I said at the very first of this message, not what's your biggest worry only, but I also said what's your biggest source of comfort? Because I believe that for many of us, the struggle with believing that Jesus is greater than is not believing that Jesus is greater than our problems. It's believing that Jesus is greater than our comfort. And what keeps us from finding the life that God wants for us is that we don't want to give up our comfort because we believe our comfort is greater than what God can offer. And so I'm just going to stay right here in my faith. And we miss out on life that could be greater than. We don't trust him with our finances because my finances are mine. And I'm not going to do it your way, God, because your way makes no earthly sense. <laughs> right. I'm not going to trust you with my relationships, God, because, you know, if I do things your way, that makes no earthly sense. Right. God, I'm not going to trust you with my life because if I actually do things your way, that makes no earthly sense. You see, I believe that's our struggle more than our problem. Oh, we are glad to give God our problems. God, I got this problem. Can you handle that? Boom. Just, when you fix that, I'll take over again. But I'll follow you until this is fixed. And then when that's fixed, you can give me the wheel back. I'll be glad to drive this thing some more. We have to believe that Jesus Christ is greater than anything this world has to offer, good or bad, and fall in love with him and follow him. Because Christ has been here since creation. He made you. He knows you. And he will lead you to life if you will trust him. So I ask you again, what's standing in your way of fully trusting him? Is it something that you're struggling with? Or is it something that you kind of like so much you don't want to let go of? God's greater than that if you'll trust him.
You see, the writer goes on to tell us not only was Jesus active in creation, he's actually the one preserving creation. He's the one sustaining all things by his powerful word. And he goes on to say something that's very, very key. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of God's nature. So therefore, if you know Jesus, you know God. Now, why is that significant? All right, we're going to have a little, you'll wake up a little bit because pastor's talking theology for just a minute, all right? We are created in the image of God. Genesis tells us that when, when all things were created, on the sixth day he stopped, he created mankind. And he said, we're going to create mankind in our image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. That's what it says. So we are created to bear the image of God, to reflect his glory in creation. But we can't do that fully because we're just an image. And sin has marred that image and we struggle with sin. Sometimes we don't do that all the time. But Jesus is an exact representation of God's nature. So the more you know Jesus, the more you know God. There's your theology lesson for the morning. He's an exact representation. We bear the image of God, but Jesus came as an exact representation of God. And in John 14, he told his disciples this. In the context of that in your mind, listen to this. Jesus speaking to his disciples, he says, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father From now on, you do know him and have seen him. The disciples got told, you now know God and have seen God because you're following me. The exact representation of who he is and in his nature. Jesus is greater than all things. That's the bottom line. Jesus is greater than all things. Now, some of you are thinking, I just filled in my last blank. This is the best sermon ever. He's about to wrap it up. He's not. I just wanted to let you all know that. And I'm not going to be much longer, but I wanted to build that foundation. And then I wanted you to put your notes aside and let's just talk for a little bit. And let's have an honest conversation where we look inside ourselves and ask the question, do I believe that Jesus is greater than all things? Ask yourself that honestly. What is it in your life that you wouldn't be willing to give up if Jesus said, you can give this up? Now, there's a story in Scripture of a a rich young ruler, one that comes up often when we're talking about things like this. There's a man, he was a law-abiding man, he was a good person, he came up to Jesus, and what it tells us about is that he was rich, he was young, and he's a ruler. That's all it tells us about him, okay? So that's that's why we call him the rich young ruler, all right? Amazing how that works. He came up to Jesus and he said, Jesus, what do I have to do to have eternal life? And Jesus starts spouting off some of the commandments. And he looks back at Jesus, he goes, well, I've obeyed all the commandments. I've done all those. And then it says that Jesus looked him in the eye and said, okay, good. Now go sell all your possessions and come follow me. And it says that the man went away from Jesus sad. Now we don't know anything else about him. That's all we know about this story is that he came to Jesus saying, how do I find life? And here's what we know. Jesus told him how 
and he went away sad. I think that we're the rich young ruler a lot. I think that God's calling us to something that's greater than what we're experiencing on a daily basis. But I'll be real honest with you. My conviction is our comfort gets in the way. Our way of thinking gets in the way of experiencing what God has for us and wants for us. I think culture has lied to us and convinced us that we think that following Christ means that we'll never have any troubles. No, following Christ means that he'll show you how to navigate life's troubles. And that's where we start to find life. Not in that everything's good all the time, but that God is good all the time and he'll lead me through everything whether it's good or bad. That's the truth of that. Hey, students, can I just tell you all that right now? That's life. Life is hard. Life has bad things that happen in it. But God will navigate you through those things if you will trust him. That's the truth that needs to be shared in your life and you need to know. Because culture is going to try to tell you everything different than that. And then look at what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 2. He says, for this reason, which basically means everything he said in chapter 1. And I'll be going over that in the devotionals throughout the week. For this reason, we must pay attention all the more to what we have heard. So that we will not drift away. For if the message spoken through the angels was legally binding and every transgression and disobedience received a just punishment, how will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? This salvation had its beginning when it was spoken of by the Lord and it was confirmed to us by those who heard him. At the same time, God also testified by signs and wonders, various miracles and distributions of gifts from the Holy Spirit according to to his will. Once again, the writer's saying God is speaking. God is talking. He's talking through wonders and signs and miracles and distributions of gifts. God is trying to get our attention. And he says, we must pay attention. And if we don't actively pay attention, we will drift away. Now, I'm not trying to be funny, but some of you know what drifting away is because you did it about 10 minutes ago. And you really wanted to listen, but now you're like, what did he say? Because something happened, like lunch is right around the corner. Mmm, I'm hungry. What is it? I don't know. Oh, yeah, he's talking. And we do that, right? We just drift. I I love that word, just drift. It's not like we just gave up and walked away. It's kind of like all of a sudden we go, how did I get here? Now, I'll I'll tell you, my my greatest illustration of drift is this. I am a very active person. And so, like, even when I relax, I just refocus my intensity. That's my way of relaxing. Okay, I don't know if anybody else is like that. I'm not a go, let's go to the beach and sit down. Because my wife is a let's go to the beach and sit down person. Okay? And when she's sitting on the beach, I'm going, so what are we doing? We're just sitting on the beach enjoying it. Yeah, you're enjoying it. But I'm, okay, what, what are we doing? So the, the first time we ever got to go on a, on a real vacation like that, we got married when we were 18 and 19. We were poor. You know what I mean? So we got to go on a vacation later on in life. And... Um, she wanted to sit on the beach, which is great, and I discovered snorkeling. Anybody ever discovered snorkeling? It's like swimming in an aquarium, okay? And so finally, it was great. We kind of had this figured out. She could go sit on the beach, and I'm going to go walk in, get snorkeling, I'm going to go dig stuff off the bottom and go, look, I found a bottle cap, you know, whatever it is that I'm finding, but at least I'm doing something. So here's what I did. She sets up on the beach. She's got her chair. She's got her book. I walk straight into the water from her, and I start snorkeling. 
And I'm just looking down in the water and just breathing and spitting salt water and doing all kinds of stuff and finding things. I find something and I go, I'm going to show Julie. And I pick up and I look around and I go, I have no idea where I am. <laughs> Do you know why I had no idea where I am? I had drifted. I had drifted. You know, this concept that water's always moving and pushing you down. And we were in a foreign country. I'm like asking people, uh, my wife, and they say something like, yeah, I don't know where that is. Okay, so... I seriously, I'm walking back to the beach. I didn't know if I'm supposed to go right, if I'm supposed to go left. I did not know where I was. I had been snorkeling all that time. I had just kind of drifted away. That's how drift works. We kind of get involved in our own stuff. We're not doing anything good or bad. We're just kind of all zoned in. Then all of a sudden we look, how did I get, how did I get here? What happened? That's what the writer is saying. For this reason, we must pay attention to what we have heard so that we will not drift away. Because if we listen, God is speaking. God is speaking in his creation generally. God is speaking specifically through teachers, through pastors, through people around us, through his word, through songs that we sing. God uses anything and everything he can to get our attention if we will zone in and pay attention. And here's why he's speaking. Because he wants you to know that you can have life when you choose to follow him. That from creation, he created you with life and with purpose. And that sin is trying to distract you and lead you from that. But if you will follow him, he is greater than anything else you will find on this earth. And if you will zone in and listen to him, he will lead you to life. It may not be easy all the time. It may not be what we think of as good all the time. But God will lead you to life in any and every situation if we choose to follow him. And the writer of Hebrews is trying to just... Drill that into our minds. Jesus is greater than anything else. Trust him and follow him. Would you bow your heads with me this morning?